From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy! in 2024, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! I'm Sarah Foss, I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. Happy New Year, Happy Buzzy! Happy New Year! I love that. You know, you get to say it for like the first few days, Yeah. then you can't say it anymore, but today... Right. We can say it all we day because it. it is January 1st, Well, yeah, We get it in January, then we get it in a little bit with Lunar New Year. True. Uh, Keep the fun going. Exactly. So we can stretch it out a little bit. Did you have a fun New Year's Eve? Well, yes. It was uh, spent in Colorado Ooh. with my oldest, bestest friend from growing up in my teenage years in Arizona, along with her husband and my husband and our four daughters between the two of us. It was great. That we sounds did the, amazing. The Polar Express. Fun. That's really fun. Which you know, when you yeah. do it after Christmas, you get to thank Santa for all the things. That's right. As opposed to ask for things. It's yeah, great. that's better. I think it's good to be thankful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we were home. <laughs> we tried to you know we do the East Coast feed uh-huh. to get everyone. Yes, we a do bed that too. Yes, at a reasonable hour. But we had a lot of fun this year for. Um, my younger ones class for their like winter performance learned Auld Lang Syne. So we finally had somebody in the house who, who knew, knew all the, the words <laughs> all the words to Auld Lang Syne. It was very sweet. Super cute. All that um, at five years old. Yes, that's right. That's impressive. <laughs> Let's talk about resolutions. Are you a resolver? Do you resolve? Well, it's funny because as we were preparing for this podcast, uh, we reflected back on our resolutions from last year, which mine, um, really hard hitting. It was to wash my face and brush my teeth every night. And what I can say is that my year only got busier last year. And so I was lucky if I did that at least before midnight, because oftentimes what would happen is I would put either of my children to bed and then fall asleep with them. Yes. And then wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I haven't brushed my teeth or washed my face and kind of staggered to my bedroom to do those things. So not the best habit, I would say. So I think it's a sign for me that what I need in the new year is just a little more balance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going for just balance. You yeah. Know, work, life, balance. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, last year, my resolution was to get on the television show Jeopardy. And I made it into a bumper. Yeah, you did. Going into a commercial break. Yes, that was an Easter egg for anyone who was really paying attention. You know, we take that... We'll be back for Final Jeopardy right after this. Uh, you know, it's a technically, technically correct, which is the best form of correct. I have a little story about this year's resolution, if okay. I may. I would love a little buzzy story. Um, Let's start the new year with a buzzy story. So this past year, as many people know, I uh, became addicted to short fiction and especially the work of George Saunders. And I decided to write him an email in appreciation. You know, he's a professor i found his email through the his department's website and i just sent him an email didn't expect to hear anything back and i got like the kindest sweetest you know email back and so i know that people you know will sometimes dm me or email our podcast email and i want to resolve to get better about you know being more proactive about responding to that stuff because i saw how much it meant to me and i want to be more uh, attentive to that i love that who knows any of you listening, you might be receiving a very kind email from Buzzy Cohen. And I'm going to reach I'm gonna, out. I'm going to shout out to our, our podcast producers to make sure to forward me those emails so I, I can respond. To Alexa, that. Carlos, <laughs> you heard it here first. You might be very busy, but yeah. try. I like how my my resolution makes more work for yeah. Alexa and Carlos. That's, that's great. That's, that's good. really that giving spirit you were going that's for. That's exactly right. <laughs> Well, Buzzy, we can't really head into the new year without first highlighting the final week of games from 2023 and what a week it was. On Christmas Day, that's when we saw Javeria Zahir become the first second chance champion to advance to Champions Wildcard with her two daughters and husband in the audience. We also saw nine more contestants battle it out on their return to the Alex Trebek stage. So we're going to discuss each of those games shortly and as promised... All the way from Stuttgart, Germany, we are going to talk with champions, wildcard finalist of the Hearts Group, Tyler Vandenberg. Can't wait for that. First, though, we're going to take a quick trip down my favorite lane. It's Memory Lane. It's This Week in Jeopardy! History. Tonight, three legendary players will battle it out for $1 million on Jeopardy! No one has won more games than Ken Jennings. 
or won more money than Brad Rutter, or set more records than James Holzhoff. But only one will be crowned the greatest of all time. And now, here is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. That's right. It was January 7th, 2020, when we premiered The Greatest of All Time, our primetime competition, a tournament featuring Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter, and James Holtzauer, each competing for that $1 million prize and, you know, the title of being the GOAT. It was, of course, the first player to win three two-game matches that earned the title. In the end, it was Ken who came out as our champion, James taking home the honor of second place. I don't know if he would consider that an honor. (laughs) And Brad Rutter taking home third place. I actually had the chance to interview Ken right after he had locked up that first win of the tournament, and he explained that he was feeling a lot of relief, you know, because he will say he didn't want to come back and compete in GOAT. He thought, hey, I've had a great run. I don't know that I can compete at that level, you know, with champions like James who had come up since Ken's time. And then, of course, Brad Rutter, who Ken had never defeated before. So he wasn't really wanting to do this competition. He ended up getting convinced to do so. So after that first win, you know, it really was a big relief to him going up against James and Brad. He also said it was his goal just to win one. So then he wins one. He's like, I got this. But he would end up going on to win two more matches and becoming our greatest of all time. Well, you know, the just win one. Ken Jennings, he's just like the rest of us. He's just like us. Um, He's just like every Jeopardy player. Man, I I got to be in the audience for this, and they were such great games. It was incredible to see. You know, the thing for me that stuck out about GOAT, beyond the level of play, beyond everything else was Jeopardy had, of course, become an institution at this point. But I think what GOAT did was show how big and present and current Jeopardy could be. Those GOAT games, I believe, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, got better ratings than the NBA finals. Yes, it was incredible how many people tuned in to see this once in a lifetime event. You know, what would it be like to put these mega champions head-to-head in a competition. It was also, you know, Alex was battling his pancreatic cancer at that time, and he was on a special medication that, you know, discolored his skin. And I remember our makeup artist, Sandy, just being like, I'm going to do my best. But Alex showed up for that competition as well. His level of hosting, you know, in the middle of such a difficult battle was just superior and it really was just a once-in-a-lifetime competition. You know, we've gone on to to come up with different ways to feature Jeopardy in primetime, yeah. obviously, with Celebrity, with JNCC, and most recently with Masters. But there will never be another GOAT, and I'm just really grateful to have been a part of it. We also didn't know that COVID was going to come along. Sure shortly after that. So it's just kind of this yeah. magical time in Jeopardy history that is now four years in our past. That's crazy. Cannot believe it. All right, Buzzy, it's time to head into the game highlights. We kicked off the week with day two of our second chance final. Javeria Zahir, Jason Carpenter, and Iris Masucci. Javeria came into day two with that, you know, very impressive lead, let's say, and she just started to build on it, finding both daily doubles in double jeopardy, adding another $5,800 to her score. This allowed her to maintain her lead heading into final, which she was able to wager zero dollars because of course she had effectively earned a two-day runaway with a massive $51,200 from day one and she went on to become our first second chance champion from last season what a game yeah I mean Javeria just went through every single game like a hot knife through butter (laughs) I love that phrase (laughs) and I loved the Javeria told us in the postgame chat, first of all, she said, I'm shocked. I feel like Will Ferrell in old school when he blacks out. (laughs) Ken said, you're not going to faint, are you? This is a very hard stage. (laughs) She also talked about her brother being on Survivor, and he actually lost. And then she went on Jeopardy, of course, and lost. So she said, my daughters only know family members that go on TV and lose. So now she's hoping that maybe her brother can get a second chance on Survivor because, you know, she certainly got hers 
on Jeopardy, and wow, she ran with it. Well, congrats. What a great Christmas present. I can just imagine Javeria sitting <laughs> with her family on yes. Christmas Day. Let's watch. What a fun addition to the holiday season. We had a chance to talk to Javeria right after that victory. Let's have a listen. Javeria, you are now a Jeopardy! champion. You have won essentially three games and you're headed to Champions Wildcard. Just tell me how you're feeling right now. Uh, I can't believe this is happening. It feels like it's a dream or it's happening to someone else, but to be able to do it in front of my daughters especially, it's just the most special thing I could ever imagine. Well, as a mom of two girls and seeing your two girls in the audience, I really can't imagine. You know, we do our best to, to make them proud and to raise these brilliant young women, but to see their mom just <laughs> kick butt on the Alex Trebek stage, that's, that's gotta feel pretty good. You know, they're so great. And they both said to me, Mom, if you win, we're so proud. But if, you're lo if you, you lose, we're even prouder because we can see how well you handle it. And, you know, we say to them, like, Mom lost on TV in front of millions of people and she was okay. So, like, do your soccer, do your piano, like, live your best life, take chances. And so I'm so glad they got to see a happier ending today. Well, talking about taking chances, let's talk about those daily doubles in game one of the final. You said that you didn't want to come and be scared. And so you were willing to risk, oh, you know, $10,000 twice, but it was successful. You had two successful daily doubles. Tell me about the thought process in that moment of just going big. I know that like you can't control the outcome out here. You don't know if it's a question you know or a question you don't, but you can control the process. And so I thought a lot about more this time, I think like what my values are and what I wanted to leave out here. I didn't want to be scared and I didn't want to have regrets. And if you wager a lot and you get it wrong, then you did your best and you tried your hardest and that's okay. And so I just didn't want to leave anything on the table, I think this time. Well, let's just talk about how well you did perform. First of all, $20,000 in one game, that's the highest daily double total we've seen all season. You also had 32 correct responses in that game, another high for the season, and your total of over $50,000 just in one game. You set three records for the season, <laughs> Juveria, so I'd say you didn't leave anything on the table. Yeah, you know, you get lucky, you get the categories you like, you find the buzzer, um, and it, it was so fun. I think that's what was shocking to me is how much fun I had the first time I had fun in the last 10 minutes, um, <laughs> but I was so scared. But to be out here and to just be with all of you guys and to play a game that I loved when I was five, my daughter's five, was the best feeling in the world. Well, now you have the Champions Wild Card ahead of you. So what do you do to prepare for yet another opportunity to perform well here on the stage. I'm gonna keep following my husband around and asking him to teach me about like <laughs> planes and trains and other weird stuff that I don't know about. And my girls are like, we have a Jeopardy like desktop calendar and they read me the questions. And my little one, she makes up boards like Roadrunner versus the Coyote and Disney princesses. And my big girl beat me like crazy on a board about piano playing. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get my team ready to train me, I think. Are you thinking about the Tournament of Champions? Yeah. Because obviously the yeah, winner yeah. of Champions Wildcard <laughs> goes on to the TOC. You know, I said to my husband yesterday, like, I know I'm prepared and I know I'm ready, but I can't picture myself winning anything. And now today it's like, I can see it. I can like flame out in the first round of the Champions Wildcard, or I could get pretty far, but I know I will have fun. And that's the most important thing. Well, it's been so fun to watch you play. It's probably been even more fun for me to watch your daughters see you play. Congratulations on an incredible week of Second Chance. We'll see you back here for Champions Wildcard. Thank you so much. Moving on to Tuesday, the day after Christmas, for our next group of Second Chance competitors, starting off with Christopher Pennant, Emily Kowaler, and Miles Karp. This was an exciting game that was pretty evenly matched throughout. Christopher took an early lead in double jeopardy, but Miles worked hard to chip away at that lead, eventually getting within $800 striking distance. Emily, despite having dropped to zero on a true daily double, she really made her way back into contention by the end of the round. Then Emily and Christopher were both correct in final, but it was Christopher with that big $10,000 wager who secured the win. This game is living up to the Boxing Day game name because they are really just slugging it out there. This is one of those games where the, the final score doesn't really tell the whole story. One mm -hmm. thing I want to point out, though, they're all so good. It's really about the incorrect scores versus the correct scores. Because, yeah. you know, even Miles and Christopher technically with less correct scores, you know, obviously that daily double is a big swing. But even 
if Emily had gotten that right, it's still, you know, a five or six thousand dollar game. So love, love, love this level of play. Yeah, only six triple stumpers in the entire game. So again, that speaks to just how much all three of these players did know. And despite those true daily doubles for Emily, only one of them went her way. Have to admire that, you know, she came to play and she was going to go all in no matter what. You know, on the second of the three daily doubles that she found, she had been incorrect to the first. She said, I don't learn from my mistakes. So she went all in again. She did get that one correct. But then she would go right back into another one back to back, not have that one go her way. But hey, you got to gotta be in it to win. I think that's the right do. way to play. I think, as you can see, it's really on a knife's edge, whether it goes your way or not, whether it's in your uh, area of knowledge or not. And I think uh, if that second daily double and double jeopardy had gone her way, she's at pole position. She gets final right. And we're talking about Emily in uh, the next round. Yeah. And Miles, great spirit. You know, he said, I've now had two almost comebacks. Most people <laughs> don't get to lose twice. So it's uh, it's pretty good. On Wednesday, Ben Bear, Greg Saja and Tammy Groner returned for their second chance Tight game until Greg found back-to-back daily doubles, adding $13,400 to his score, propelling him into a huge lead. Ben nearly put himself back into contention, but Greg just closed out the round with a string of correct responses, securing a runaway and a spot in the finals. This is what the daily doubles are about. You know, we talked in the previous game how sometimes it doesn't go your way. Playing that aggressively is what gives you uh, a lockout, and um, I think Greg showed what a tough player he is, adding a total of $15,200 over the course of those three daily doubles to his score. Going to be interesting to see uh, how that aggressive play style helps him as he advances. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoyed James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com jeopardy. Masterclass.com jeopardy. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Well, moving on to Thursday with Raquel Mata, Mitch Cutter, and Zanny Brown. This was another close game where the daily doubles proved to be very important. Zanny found both of them early on in double jeopardy, taking a strong lead, which she was able to maintain for the rest of the round. But then Raquel worked her way back into contention, ending the round with a respectable 11,600. So it would come down to final. All three players were correct, but because Zanny had the lead heading into it, she locks up her win and spot in the finals. Zanny defeated 
by Chris Panulo. Mm. So even Chris had told us that she was a tough opponent. Yeah. You know, back when we talked to him on Inside Jeopardy, when he was talking about some of the great players that he came up against, he was certainly knowing that Zanny was someone to watch out for. Yeah. And this is one of those tricky situations in terms of the betting in final. Uh, you know, Raquel with the smart bet, I I think, of betting zero. Hoping- Which was a great thing for Raquel because she really did get criticized in her initial game because it was you know, not the best wager that she could have actually defeated Hannah Wilson. Right, right. So clearly studied some of that Mm -hmm. uh, Final Jeopardy wagering uh, theory out there. But then because of where Mitch is, him doubling up, we have a tie for second place. I mean, (laughs) imagine I'm imagining if Zanny gets this wrong, Uh we've got a tie for first place and we're doing, you know, a showcase showdown here. One question, buzz in. Uh, This could have been a very wild round of this but Zanny, congratulations on advancing. And we did close out the week with day one of the finals with Zanny, with Greg, and with Christopher. Another well-played game all around. Greg got off to a hot start, 13 correct responses, and a $5,200 true daily double in the Jeopardy round. But then Zanny closed the gap thanks to a $6,000 daily double in double Jeopardy. Then Chris found the last daily double. He adds just $2,000 to his score. So all three players went into final with over $10,000, five figures. You'll love to see that. With Greg in the lead, though, at $20,200, all three players were correct in final. But because Greg had the largest wager, he carries the lead heading into day two. Yeah. You know, I think if I'm Zanny or Christopher... I think I would have been betting bigger. I mean, I know that that second daily doubles near the end of the round. You want to have some money to play with in final. You don't want to lose a ton of money when Greg's got this big score going. But I think you also want to put the pressure on Greg a little more. I know, you know, both of these players are very much in it because of how close Zanny is to Greg. She's going to be chomping at his heels in that second game, which I cannot wait to see. You know, if I were to have one note, I want to see Zanny and Chris bet bigger in the second game. Ken actually asked Zanny in the interview about her plans if she were to move on, you know, to Champions Wildcard. And she said she just wanted to mainly stay calm and collected and try not to freak out and ask Martha Bath a million questions. <laughs> because, of course, Martha Bath coming back to yep. Champions Wildcard as a one-game winner. And who doesn't love Martha Bath? I mean, she yeah. played with Art Fleming, and now she played with Ken Jennings. I mean, we want to see Martha. So Zanny's, you know, she's got it all into perspective. Like, yeah. yes, I want to make it to Champions Wildcard, but really I just want to talk to Martha. Yeah, I mean, to quote Wendy Williams, she's an icon, she's a legend, and she is the moment. Yeah. And Greg, you know, with another quote, he brought up a quote that we had heard earlier on this season, and that is the true daily doubles are the friends you met along the way. Emily Sands said that famously in one of her games, but she did credit TJ Talley, who came up with the original quote. So now it's kind of a it's a combo. Uh, We give credit for Emily sharing it. We give credit for TJ coming up with it. That quote has actually been embroidered for Ken and I think we need to market this because who yeah. doesn't need a little, little embroidered cross stitch telling you that the true daily doubles are the friends you met along the way. Talk to that merch department, ASAP. Get Fitz on the phone. Let's get these things made. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up the week of games. It is time to move on to our host chat. An audience member asked Ken, what was your favorite episode of Jeopardy from last season? Well, I mean, we did 230 plus Masters and Celebrity. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not an obsessive Jeopardy recapper on the internet, um, but we had a lot of great games. You know, nothing to me stands out more than the final game of Masters because Matteo Roach had James Holtzauer on the ropes. Like, that guy seemed unbeatable, except in the GOAT tournament. And, and Matteo, like, you know, they kind of had the game in hand going into final. That was great Jeopardy right there. I'd love to see the game played at that level. Whew, the energy during that Masters game that when Matteo just came on fire. I've never seen anything like it. Ken really loves watching James lose, huh? No, ah, that's kind of what, <laughs> what it sounds like. All right, Buzzy, it is now time to welcome into the pod champions wildcard finalist all the way from Stuttgart, Germany. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. How did I do on that Stuttgart? I don't I think, was, was that okay? Ausgezeichnet. As they say here. I yeah, mean, exactly. It means excellent. How's your German coming along, <laughs> Tyler? Well, I wish it were better, but okay. we're getting there. It's funny because living here in Germany, there's a, a limit to the way that conversations work. So generally, if you speak a little German, the Germans will give you a little bit of rope. They'll see where you're going with this. 
And then eventually they'll figure out that you've run out of road and ah. you don't have any more German and they'll switch to English. But the problem is it's very nice of them, but they don't ever switch back because they know that their English is better than our German. Of course. And so over time, you end up in a scenario where you just can't really practice, unfortunately. Mm. Well, I also imagine that you have a different experience than most Jeopardy! champions being in Germany. What's that like being in a country where the show that you are so successful on is not airing? Well, it sure helps with the history categories. I'll say that. <laughs> it's interesting because it does air on AFN. And okay. obviously, yeah. I work mostly with Americans who are all you know very excited to hear about it and all the americans i work with are very familiar with jeopardy sure. but it is a little weird uh walking around in public and kind of looking at people like don't you know i'm a big deal but... <laughs> well you're a big deal here i know absolutely so when you first competed on this show where were you based at that point so back then i was working uh actually at a unit that's in los angeles uh, i was working at a reserve rifle company at that time and they were out in east la in in pico rivera and that was pretty memorable because telling my staff or the the uh, leadership of my unit that i was going to be on jeopardy was even more impactful for people who lived in la as you might imagine yeah a little shorter commute for you back in uh, 2021 i remember you came on your first win, so commanding, second as well. We thought, this guy's going to be around for a long time. Then you came up against, oh, you know, this little guy named Josh Sack, right? Right. <laughs> Who has made his yeah. own real comeback. But tell us about that first experience, how you were feeling after two wins, and just what your initial Jeopardy run was like for you. I came in with, with essentially no expectations of myself. It was just such a, a privilege to be invited to the show. I mean, so many people apply every year. So many people want to be on Jeopardy. And just to get the chance to to get onto the stage was such a uh, thrill to begin with. After those first two games, I sort of didn't know how I felt. Having won the first one, I felt that I was a little bit off the hook. Um, I think I'd kind of met the expectations of, okay, check mark, you know, Jeopardy champion. Jeopardy champion yeah. for the rest of your um, life. <laughs> Right. You know, always got that in the back pocket, got to go on the stage and got to tell everybody I know that that I didn't lose, that I, I could cut the mustard that first time. But but after two games, honestly, it's it's such an adrenaline rush to be on the stage. And it's so all absorbing. You know, your heart's pounding. You're just trying to get through the next question. I got into that third game going, I still have no idea how this is going to go. And to come up against Josh, I mean, such a such an excellent player, excellent competitor, you know, his own. Uh, wild cards round champion he was he was awesome and to have that kind of quality of game i think is is thrilling in its own right so i don't know what i expected going into it but knowing that i was beaten by somebody who is so high tier and so high caliber it's it's hard to it's hard to feel bad about that and knowing that he did win his champions wild card group does that even feel even better like even still he is one of the greats so you lost to a jeopardy great Absolutely. And Josh, I mean, to have lost now to, to two guys who are both going on to, to the Tournament of Champions, I mean, really just, just amazing. I feel lucky that I've, I've been up against such good players as well. I like to feel that I held my own and that, uh, that especially with Josh, you know, that first time of, of playing against him and then seeing him hold on all the way until, you know, the Emodia Rodeo showed up, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty impressive as well. Yeah, you lost to Josh, who then lost to Madame Modio. So you really just, yep. you came up against some really strong champions. And that continued in Champions Wildcard. But I have to know, early on, you're one of our younger champions. When did you start watching Jeopardy? What was your Jeopardy journey like? When did you decide to try out for the show? So it's strange because I remember where I first heard about Jeopardy. My memory tells me it was fourth grade. I might have been fifth. That's but when I Ken, the Ken Jennings was fourth in. grade. So you're in good company there. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. And and someone came in and said, is anyone watching Ken Jennings run on Jeopardy? It seems like he's going to be around for a while. And I think he was like 30 games in at that point, which is already just <laughs> mm -hmm. mind boggling. But to hear about it then and to start watching the show then was my introduction to it. And I became such a trivia nerd over over the years that Jeopardy was kind of always part of my life. I did uh, a lot of quiz bowl when I was in college and that was part of it, but everybody loves watching Jeopardy and, and competing at home. And so for for trivia buffs and, and quiz nerds like me, it was always such a big 
background interest of mine and and getting on the show was just a, a thrill from that perspective. Did you make it the first time you auditioned? I did. Yeah, wow. I was very fortunate. I auditioned during COVID, so my process was a little a little unusual. We did the actual audition phase over Zoom, mm-hmm. which was interesting because we all held our our little pens up and and simulated <laughs> the signaling device. I have to say, uh, like with a lot of my games on the Jeopardy stage, on on the Alex Trebek stage, I was very fortunate in category selection. We were given, I think, a Cold War history category mm. at my Jeopardy audition, and I absolutely ran the table with it, which I'm sure helped my odds. But it's it's a big. Uh, area of interest of mine. So again, very fortunate. I always just kind of pull the right categories when I need them, it seems. So I I have a question. You know, you you have your two games, which is, you know, double what I think most of us dream about having when we show up at Sony. Then, you know, you, you kind of move on with your life. And what is going on when you get the call? Hey, Tyler, how about coming back? Oh, man. I mean, it's funny because I think... I think I'm like a lot of contestants in that once you've been on the stage, it kind of recedes a little bit. You may not watch the show as much as you used to. It's not kind of the centerpiece of your life, or especially when you're prepping, focusing on on the game, watching the show, trying to get as much immersion as you can. So it kind of receded into the background of my life, but always kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, oh man, I I didn't qualify. I didn't get those five wins. I'm probably not going to be a tournament of champions selectee and so I wasn't aware that wildcard was going on and then when I got the text I mean instant decision absolutely how do I find a way to get back how do I get on the show but it was it was thrilling because there's always just that little bit in the back of your mind of how would I do if I went back how mm-hmm. would I do now that I've been on the stage and that I've I've played the game before what would it look like now well Michael Davies often talks about people like Mateo Roach and how you know they're only in their 20s how much more are they going to learn and grow as a Jeopardy champion? You are also one of our under 30 players. Do you think the same about yourself? Like, what could Tyler be like in another 10 years? Oh, wow. I mean, I sure hope I would improve as a player. It's uh, it's just a sign that, that you're still learning and still growing in life. I definitely felt a difference between my first two times playing in 2021 versus uh, coming back for wildcard. I could certainly feel a difference in in knowledge and in play style, maybe from experience, but maybe also just from from living life and from broadening my interests and getting into different things. I certainly felt more comfortable with uh, with opera this time, having kind of found my way <laughs> into it as a, a regular interest. I think that I would hope that I would be a better player in the future. Um, I guess there's only one way to find out, but you know, uh-huh. that's uh, <laughs> that's up to luck and fate and and whatever else might might come my way. And Michael Davies. And Michael Davies. <laughs> All right, well let's Davies. let's get into the Champions Wild Card. So you head into the quarterfinal. Your first game, you know, it's kind of neck and neck between you and Kira, really, and then you get that last daily double. You make a big wager ah. and you get the lead and you hold on to it into final where you are the only one who is correct. How did it feel to come back and then have a performance like that on the Alex Trebek stage? Uh, It's funny because when I played my very first game, I remember distinctly knowing the moment when I felt, I think I'm gonna win. And it came relatively early in that game. Um, I was doing pretty well, I I got lucky with the categories. Uh, but in this first uh, wild card game, pulling into that final, I think the difference was only about $600. And so that was just, it was so close. I had no idea. And then to see the uh, category come up for American history, I was so worried that <laughs> the question was going to be something, a very Jeopardy question, right? Something that I just could not imagine being asked about in normal life, you know? Tell us something about John Jay. Tell us something about the era of good feelings. I was like, oh, no. Like, this could be colonial history. It could be anything. I have no idea. And then for it to be something that I knew and to feel comfortable with the question at that moment, I mean, it's a rush to know that you're going to win before it even happens. But at the same time, I mean, it was such a tough-fought game that in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know. Maybe somehow I'm wrong. Maybe Kira's got it. I mean, she was such a good competitor. It's hard to know, but uh, to pull it off in the end, it's it's a very rewarding feeling. And our contestant team does tell all of you as contestants, you know, keep a poker face. Don't let anyone know if you if you have it correct. You really took this to the extreme, Tyler. People have talked about this online. <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't see a, a hint of 
anything until the very last moment when we got a little smile once Ken did declare you were a Jeopardy champion. Yeah, that's uh, that's the hours of, uh, of thanking my drill instructors or my sergeant instructors for that one. They really got that discipline in and I took full advantage of it and I think it, I think it paid off. Yeah. Am I correct that you maybe earned another stripe between your first appearance and returning, or is that am I mistaken? There were a couple more ribbons. Okay. Um, and there is an extra bar on my rank, uh, as you point out. So I was promoted. The first time I was on Jeopardy, I was a I was a lowly first lieutenant. So it's a silver <laughs> single bar yeah. on each shoulder. Um, but I picked up a promotion to captain uh, okay. while I've been serving here in Germany, which is a great honor. It comes with more responsibility. But uh, yeah, absolutely, it comes with those two parallel bars on each shoulder. Yeah, you use that a little intimidation factor, possibly, in the green room. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know about that. I mean, it's worth talking a big game about wearing the uniform. But honestly, the, the reason I chose to do it is it makes you feel bulletproof. I mean, for me, just getting into the mindset of of competing and going up there, combined with kind of the mindset of wearing the uniform and and knowing what it represents and and what people have done in it before. I mean, it looks good. There's a phrase that we that we use a lot, look good, feel good, fight good. I, I definitely feel all three when, when I show up on the stage in, in my dress blues. So that's the advantage there. It's, it's psychological for me more than it is for anybody else. I hear that. And I really like the dress blues even more than the dress tan that you wore in your initial run. Ah, yeah, my service alphas. Um, <laughs> much more of a kind of a business suit kind of uniform. I think it makes people think a lot of the courtroom scene in A Few Good Men. Right. Oh, uh, you totally. know, Jack Nicholson famously Cruise, wearing it on the stand. Yeah. But uh, we got a nice diversity of, of uniforms. I got to really show off in the true dress uniform this time. Nice. Well, it certainly helped you advance to the semifinal game, which was another great game for you. Going up against Emma Salzberg, Ed Colson, who had both had really strong performances in their quarterfinal, but it really came down to double jeopardy. You almost ran away with it, but everyone was in it for final. You needed to get final correct. What was interesting to me, because I obviously see as you're putting in your wagers, you go all in, as does Emma, as does Ed. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we could have a three-way tiebreaker right now. This could end up coming down to just, you know, a buzzer race on one clue. I have to know. Thankfully, you were correct and you win. But why go all in in that moment, Tyler? What was the thought process there? Well, wouldn't it be exciting if we got that three-way buzzer final? Sure, uh, you know, you yes. The audience is at home happy. <laughs> but uh, no, so I hate to say it this way, not really, but uh, <laughs> I came into the tournament with kind of Ricky Bobby mindset. You know, if you ain't first, you're last. And because of the way the, the scoring worked on the tournament, I felt that there was there was no incentive not to bet everything every time. I know there are contingencies in which, you know, you could get, First, with a sound betting strategy in which everybody bets too much and you bet a little and you're in first and you retain first. We saw it happen uh, once or twice uh, throughout the wildcard tournament. But I also just felt that, well, if I know it, I know it. And if I don't know it, I don't know it. And uh, putting it all on the confidence of my answer, I mean, if it doesn't work out, I made it this far. If it does, then on to the next round with a commanding lead. But it's movie musicals. And then we find out in the postgame chat you were a high school musical kid, so there was something about the category sure <laughs> that gave you a little extra confidence. Yeah, that's right. I was not super confident about my answer of Oliver. I, I got lucky on that one because I had studied uh, Best Picture winners coming in to Always good. the tournament. And so that, <laughs> absolutely. I'm very glad it was a, an either-or category. I would have been totally hopeless if it had been a name-both at the sure. same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it paid off okay. What was your favorite role in a musical in high school? Can you remember? Yes. So we had a very small musical theater company at my at my high school. The director decided one year to do the 1997 Broadway rendition of Titanic. Not related to the movie oh. at all, though they came out the same year. And I think I did four or five roles in that. And I was just always on stage, off stage, on stage, off stage, different song, different character, different costume. It was definitely my favorite experience on the stage. Can we get a few bars, perhaps? I don't know that. Uh, that's all right, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried. <laughs> this is kind of like the six degrees of of Kevin Bacon here, because you were in a Titanic musical in high school. Nick Casconi was moving, in the movie. Was Titan. in the actual movie right, Titanic. Yes. So look at how we're connecting all the Jeopardy dots here. I it's love it. All comes back to Titanic. It's Titanic all the way down. It all the way down. Dubiously is. said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we head into our two-game total point affair, and, you know, this wasn't necessarily your game, but again, you go, hey, 
all or nothing. I'm going to bet it all in final. You end up being the only one who is correct, and you head into day two with a big lead. But what was your mindset knowing that that lead was really based on that final jeopardy, not necessarily the whole game? Great question, first of all. I think that knowing that it had come down for me in pretty much every case to do you know final jeopardy, I still felt and and turned out to be correct that everything was up in the air, even though I'd done well in that first game. Going into into the second round with a comfortable lead was nice, but obviously playing against such a strong slate of competitors. And as we saw, I mean, Young Shen ran away with the game. So it's it was nice to have. Turned out not to be worth that much, but uh, it was it was a good confidence boost going into the game. And had you thought much, you know, obviously you come back, you want to win your first game, but had you already like said, if I get into the finals, here's how I'm going to handle this two game total point affair. It's not as obvious given that I'd bet everything both times before, <laughs> but this is the game where I really felt that betting it all was going to matter or it was going to make or break it or or would certainly help. Betting everything and and pulling out the final Jeopardy answer in that first out of two games, I felt would be it would it would help stack the the deck in my favor going oh. into that second game. But of course, there's no way to know what's going to happen. Well, and final you can control. What you can't control are the daily doubles in that game too. Yes, double Jeopardy. Youngshin finds both of them. You know, he had seventeen thousand dollars to his score in daily doubles alone. So there's not really much you can do in that moment. Would you agree? For sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think as he kind of memorably said on the stage, uh, scared money don't make money. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> his, uh, his aggressive betting was, uh, I mean, that was tactically exactly what he needed to do. And the fact that he pulled them both off and went into Final Jeopardy having the correct answer in his head, I mean, super stylish way to win for sure, but also really encouraging to see somebody just completely nail it right there, really when it counts. I mean, talk about calm under fire. He was he was really good. Um, and in spite of you know the outcome not being what you wanted, I want to call out that in that last final game, you had an impressive... 100% correct rate, 14 correct, zero incorrect, and your total uh, champion wildcard stats, 92% correct. That is very, very high. So, and and aside from that last game, very impressive scores. You know, 30 over 30,000 in your quarterfinal and semifinal game, and 17,000 in the first game of the finals. That's a winning score many days, you know. For sure. Yeah, I, I actually had no idea what the correct <laughs> scores are. So uh, hearing it for the first time, I mean, I'm very flattered. Thank you. <laughs> Stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. That's true. Yeah, yeah I mean, 100% correct. I think it was mentioned when we were on the stage in that second final game that there were no incorrect answers or maybe one incorrect answer in the entire first round in, in all of the Jeopardy round. That is correct. Yeah. And that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. very often. No. And and that just goes to the fact that I think it really could have been anybody's game. And I think everyone prepared hard and, and played a super hard game. So, you know, good to show up and, and play against some some nine to five players who really know what they're doing. Now, have you been able to see the other champions wildcard groups on AFN? I actually, honestly, I have not watched any of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have... <laughs> I have had a watch party for my quarterfinals. It's gaining traction at the headquarters. People are starting to ask me about it and and kind of, you know, fist bump in the hallways. And uh, it's interesting to be kind of a, a minor, very minor local celebrity. But uh, no, I really, I have not watched too much of the rest of the tournament. Although it has been popping up on social media for me, other players' games, other games that I remember witnessing in person. Yeah. Well, I ask only because each of our champions wildcard groups, each of the suits, has really, you know, taken pride in their their suit. And so I just have to find out from you, you have not much to compare it to, but I have to think that you would be willing to say that the hearts are the best of the four suits that have played. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I think it's clear, best for last, obviously. Right. Uh -huh. um, I know you can't agree with me officially, but we see what's happening here. <laughs> As you and Nick might say, the hearts will go on with Young Shen. I want to ask... Sorry. That's Buzzy's favorite. That's my favorite joke. He loves saying Ooh. it. So you gave him another chance to do so. Um, Thank you, Tyler. You know, I do I do feel a sense of a kindred spirit with you, Tyler, because I also like, you know, dressing up for your own confidence, yes. playing aggressively to build in that confidence. What happens when you get to the final and you looking very good in your dress uniform is up against Yun Shen, who former winner of Best Dressed at the Jeopardy Honors and looking very good. Did that get into your head at all? Mm-hmm. 
That's right. That's right. Style champion. I forgot about that. Uh, honestly, no, I had a lot of confidence in what I was wearing. Uh, that Sam Brown belt, those those ribbons and those shooting badges, they help a lot. Uh, nobody else gets to have exactly that amount of swag on, on what they're wearing. But yeah. I have to admit, he is a very stylish gentleman and his outfits, all of his games absolutely impeccably dressed well you're someone who clearly has a lot of discipline you must to you know have your career and be successful at it i'm gonna ask you one of my questions and it's gonna tie Ah. into this what is your lunch order when you are here Ah, eating at the sony we're we're on to the james lipton what does what what do you want to be asked by alex trevec at the pearly gates exactly we've gotten there yep yep okay uh so my lunch order both days i have to admit even though I was very excited to see how everybody else did in the hearts category. During my intermission day, I locked myself in the hotel room to study because I knew I had to perform that next day. So I only have two lunch orders and they were exactly the same both times. I could have guessed. This is not surprising. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a salad bar guy. Yep. For the protein, I got some some hard-boiled eggs and I went with, uh, I think it was the salmon is what I got. Mm, Slightly risky. Oil and vinegar. And then on that second day, just to keep keep hydrated, honestly, because... You sweat more than you think when, when you play in the game live. Especially in that wool dress uniform. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, the air conditioning helps, but yeah. only so much. And uh, I was a salad and Gatorade kind of guy, which I know sounds Gatorade. pretty gross, but it, it worked out, I think. Gatorade. All right. Future Jeopardy contestants. You I just want to say we're, we're not so different after all, Tyler. We may... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Is, is this the Michael Mann? We sit across the table from each other I and think, go, I, think ah, so. I see you're you're in the music industry. I'm over here in Germany. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is it. I know you don't have all of your stats, but is there something, a stat or an accomplishment uh, that you're most proud of? Yes. I had to think about this a little bit, but I think it's the fact that I got three out of four of the final Jeopardies correct in the wildcard tournament. I mean, that to me, it, it pulled off every game for me, especially given my uh, aggressive betting style. But at the same time, kind of being able to pull it out and to think my way out of out of the box while the pressure was on and to have it count against such such strong competitors, I mean, I think that's that's the thing I'm most proud of. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that well consistently in final. And also, as we've talked about, yes. the finals in Champions Wildcard have been very tricky for contestants. So that is a, a I want to add, heap on the praise for that three out of four final. Well, thank you. Well, and I think it's just been so great that you've been able to represent the military so positively with your performance on the stage can we hope that maybe others will see your performance and maybe try to follow in your footsteps? Can we get more auditions? You know, wherever it be, it's just the anytime test. You can take it from anywhere. Are you are you touting that to others? Because I think we need more like you on the Alex Direct stage. Well, I, I can only hope. And uh, speaking in a personal capacity, just, just for myself, I would say, uh, you know, to anybody, it's worth trying out, but I will be sure to keep my eye out for good competitors at work. So what's been the best part, Tyler, now that you've had, you know, two opportunities to come and compete on two different occasions? Obviously, commute was a lot longer this time. But <laughs> when you look back at it all, what's been the highlight? The highlight's got to be the people I met. I mentioned it a little in, in my first thanks. The the crew and the producers have all been, been really good every time I've been on. Um, always so encouraging, so excited about the game. That's been a strong memory. The other players that I've played against, I mean, everybody I met for the wildcard tournament, I mean, all such interesting people with such diverse backgrounds. They come from so many places. It was my favorite part is always just kind of shaking hands and talking with them in the green room before we all go up on stage and and have to try it out, try our medal all together. Well, it has been a pleasure welcoming you back. I thank you so much for representing on so many different levels. Yeah. And, you know, you're not even 30, Tyler, so who knows? We'll see. We'll see Life what happens. Life is long. We'll see you next time you're in L.A. We'll see you at uh, Trivia Night at the very least. Or at the salad bar. Or for at sure. the salad You'll bar. You'll have to tell me which bar to go to. I will. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for joining us, Tyler. Take care, Tyler. Thank you both. So great to catch up with Tyler. We what learned- a guy that he is actually staying on to complete his orders in Germany, postponed his grad school, but he's going to be headed back to grad school in the fall. The future's so bright, he's got to wear sunglasses. Yes. Aviators. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for today's show. Join us next week for more Second Chance highlights, and we will be discussing the first Celebrity Jeopardy semifinal featuring Utkarsh and Budkar, Mira Sorvino and Lisa Ann Walter. 
This is probably one of my favorite games of the season. That's going to return to primetime. It's new night tomorrow at 8 p.m. Plus, you'll get to hear from the winner of that semifinal game. So you better subscribe to this podcast and follow us at Jeopardy on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter.com, which is called X. And we will see you all next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.